Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Draft Busters podcast here at Vendetta Sports Media. My name is Jeremy Rinaldi, and I'm here with the head honcho of the Vendetta site, Trey Daubert. Trey, how are you doing today? Good. I'm doing all right. It was a smart move by Jeremy's part, you know? He wants to start this draft podcast. Who's he going to? You know, he kind of gets his foot in the door. He says, huh, let me, let me attach myself to Trey this way, you know, anytime there's a raise coming or whatever, you know, hey, I do the podcast with you. So it was, just, it was a smart move by Jeremy. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the draft podcast, keeping this going. We got a lot of big things planned for this podcast. We're hoping we can get some interviews lined up with some prospects or maybe some draft analysts. So be on the lookout for that in the future. Today, however, we're going to start. We're going to talk about Justin Fields, the quarterback for Ohio State, who didn't have the best game yesterday. 12 for 27, 114 passing yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and he was sacked three times in Ohio State's 22-10 to 10 win over Northwestern in the Big, 12, or Big Ten Championship. Trey, what are your thoughts on Justin Fields' performance? Uh, I can sum it up kind of, you know, simple. I don't care. This is this is just one of those things to me where Vontez Perfect ran run like a five oh forty. I don't care. Anquan Bolden ran a slow time. I don't care. Justin Fields had one bad game against against a pretty good Northwestern defense who actually has a head coach who's getting NFL interest in Pat Fitzgerald, who's probably I mean, he has those Northwestern kids playing over their heads all the time. I don't care. The draft is tomorrow. He should be the number two pick behind Trevor Lawrence all day, every day. I don't care if he stinks tomorrow. To me, this is one of those situations where, okay, Jacksonville, here's your opportunity. Don't screw this up. Are you going to overreact to something? Because I don't care. (laughs) He could have threw five interceptions. And to me, he's still the number two pick in this draft. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think that I saw a lot of it on Twitter yesterday, everyone overreacting to this. Yeah, Fields has a, lot, has a couple concerns. Um, yesterday he showed that he holds the ball for way too long. But then again, I mean, that was something that Tua did coming out of college. That was the sh- – um, if so- we go back, my comparison for Fields has been Deshaun Watson. I think he's just such a high-level athlete for the position. The biggest concern about Watson was, well, he's not really in this pro-style system, and we think he holds on to the ball too long. Well, it's exactly what Fields is doing. Fields is in this spread system where we it doesn't really exactly translate to the NFL, and he kind of has this freedom to improvise. But if you kind of know athletes, you can plug this guy in the NFL, and it's going to work. Deshaun Watson has been the prototypical, hey, when things break down, nobody's better at improvising than that guy or Patrick Mahomes. So Totally, yeah. Yeah, my, my comp for him has been – Deshaun Watson because I just see such a high-level freak athlete. Remember Deshaun Watson? He was a Georgia uh, Georgia State high jump champ. That doesn't just happen. Fields is just out of this world ridiculously athletic. Uh, but I, I know enough about Justin Fields where I don't care. This is the same guy that went to the Elite 11 camp and outperformed Trevor Lawrence and stuck him in his back pocket. This kid is unbelievable. I don't care if he has one bad game against Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go there and say that I think he's Deshaun Watson. I think that's a high comparison. That's probably for his ceiling. But, yeah, he's a very good prospect. Um, I'm not totally high on the rest of the quarterback prospects, which we'll talk about in a bit later when we hit the mailbag section. But, yeah, I don't think this changes much for him. I think he should still be the number two pick in the draft. 
go to Jacksonville and, or if, yeah, we're not going to get into this too too much, but but we're going to do a winners and losers segment. And one of the winners to me is sometimes we have to scout people when they're not available. How does the rest of the offense function without you? Chris Olave is dangerously important. We look at Garrett Wilson and like, oh, big time recruit. He can run. He's his route running is definitely above average. He wasn't the number one yesterday. He was by far not a number one yesterday. It's weird how when the coverage rolls to his side, he wasn't as effective. Chris Olave to me was a big time winner because that guy looks important. Yeah. I mean, Garrett Wilson really struggled against some of those defensive backs. I mean, Greg Newsome, he went down with an injury. He was supposed to be their best guy. And then they had the freshman, I believe his name was Brandon Joseph with that big pick in the end zone. So, and then, um, there was a couple other good playmakers on the But we also might be run. having a different conversation if Olave is getting the attention. Oh, Garrett Wilson has a big day. Right. Yeah, and he's going to be a guy to watch next year when, you know, Fields isn't there. The offense might look a little bit different because he'll probably be that number one option unless they incorporate Julian Fleming more, which I wanted them to do a little bit more of yesterday. But that's the topic for another day. Um, the next bit of news, Kyle Pitts tight end for Florida just declared for the 2021 NFL draft and is opting out of the bowl game that they'll be in because they will not be making the college football playoff. Trey, I know we're both very high on Kyle Pitts. What do you think this kid's ceiling is in the NFL and where do you think he should go in the draft? <laughs> I, I hate to go hot takey right off the bat here, but I truly, truly believe that Kyle Pitts is the single best player in the draft. It might sound crazy. It might sound ridiculous, but he is by far the best college tight end I've ever watched in my entire life. I don't know how to explain what he is other than the fact that he's a unicorn six foot six tight end that can run. And, you know, people have thrown out the Darren Waller comparison, but Darren Waller was a sixth round pick and he was really raw coming out of Georgia tech and we didn't quite know what he was, and they were in this option offense with Paul Johnson where they didn't really throw the ball. Kyle Pitts is head and shoulders better than what Darren Waller was back then, and Waller also had character issues. I don't know what to describe. I don't know how to describe Kyle Pitts because I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like him. It's not fair to be that big. I think he's going to run a really good time too. And the way he's able to track balls in the air, I mean <sighs> – it's not a 50-50 ball when you're throwing it to Kyle Pitts. It's an 80-20 ball when you're throwing it to Kyle Pitts. I agree. I don't know if I'm going to put him at number one. He's Right now, he's definitely in the top ten. He might even end up being in my top five. I think he's that good of a player. And, I mean, you saw it last night. I mean, that touchdown catch with about a minute left over two defenders, <laughs> that's, a, that's an incredible catch. Um, and it's a big time He's play. not doing that he against Purdue. One score. He's doing that right. against Alabama. Right. And, I mean, even in the first quarter, I mean, he took Patrick Sertan, a guy who I think is one of the best players in this draft as well, cornerback for Alabama. He ran a receiver's run against him. He ran a 10-yard slant, beat him to the inside, and, you know, made the play for the first down. I mean, you don't see tight ends doing that. I don't know where he's going to go in the draft. I'm hoping it's to a, a pass-heavy team. I wouldn't mind seeing him in Carolina if – Joe Brady stays. I know Carolina is the name, the team that's been thrown around for him a lot. If Joe Brady stays, then I'm all for him going to Carolina. That's a great offense 
ran by a great young offensive coordinator. I don't know about Bridgewater, but they're going to, they throw the ball a lot. That would be a perfect spot for Pitts. Yeah. But I just I think, think he's such a generational 10. talent to me. I've never been a guy that will take tight ends in the first round. Never. I don't, I don't think there's ever been a tight end in the draft that I've ever even considered a first round prospect. Guys like, you know, Jimmy Graham have panned out, but you know, he, he had like 20 career catches at Miami. He was a project. That's a guy you take in the third round and you hope and pray it works. Uh, guys that have been taken in the first round, TJ Hawkinson never deserved to be there. Brandon Pettigrew, uh, Eric Ebron never deserved to be there. This guy, I, I've never seen something like it at the tight end position. Never. I mean, I'm a Miami fan. I like Mike Gesicki, but we got the eighth pick or the ninth pick right now. If Pitts is still there, I'd almost rather have him than a guy like Jamar Chase. I would almost rather have Pitts. I mean, he's just going to be a matchup nightmare at the next level. And that's that's going to be huge for especially a young quarterback like Tua. You just throw the ball up there. It's 80-20 to him just about every time. That's going to be a connection that we could watch for years, Tua and Kyle Pitts. Yeah, one last thing on it. And we go back to how did Florida's offense look in the game against LSU? when Pitts did not play Kyle Trask looked night and day different. He goes against Alabama and they're putting up 500 yards. So just, just his impact alone, I think is incredible. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to jump into the winners and losers section. We're going to go over the winners first. Before we do that, here's a quick word from our sponsor. XP coffee company is the fresh brewed coffee made for gamers by gamers. Get amazing flavors like Choco Loco in 8, 12, or 16-ounce bags. Or level up and get illusion, isolation, nightmare, or the majestic throne blends in light, medium, or dark roast in whole bean, coarse French press, drip, or fine espresso in 12-ounce, 16-ounce, or 2-pound bags. Wow! Shipping worldwide. If you're in the U.S., go to usa.xpcoffee.co. If you're in Europe or in the U.K., Go to www.xpcoffee.co. XP Coffee Company for gamers by gamers. All right, so we're back here. We're going to start off with Trey. Who is your first winner in this week's slate of college football games? I think it has to be Ohio State running back Trey Sermon because this is a guy who he had some flashes at Oklahoma but he kind of got lost in the shuffle and he decided to transfer out. He goes to Ohio state and is such an unfortunate circumstance because maybe in a normal season where he has all this camp time and he gets familiarity in the offense, he can emerge as the number one running back, but instead they kind of roll with master Teague because he's been there for a while and master Teague's really not that good. So you sit there and say, well, how come Trey Sermon can't beat this guy out? And then, you know, six games into the year, he really doesn't have any impact. And you're sitting there to yourself, is this guy even going to get drafted? And one Big Ten championship game later, in a game where Justin Fields doesn't really have anything going, he hurts his wrist. The defense for Northwestern is really doing a good job. Trey Sermon single-handedly carries Ohio State to a Big Ten championship and he breaks the championship record with 331 rushing yards. Not just that, 196 came after contact, so he was creating a lot of it on his own. He had some really nice jump cuts. 
I think yesterday he looked like a poor man's Najee Harris. He's six foot one, about 220, big, can move for his size, caught the ball well out of the backfield. The, to me, there was no bigger winner because coming into the day, we didn't know if he was going to get drafted. After the day, we sit there and say, well, this running back class isn't too deep. I haven't seen a lot of the guy, but now I have a 300-yard performance in my back pocket to go off of. He broke Ezekiel Elliott's, Elliott's record, J.K. Dobbins' record. He's the, he's the record holder for a Big Ten championship game. He might have saved himself, you know, four rounds. <laughs> yeah, he really could have. I mean, this running back class, it's pretty good, but I think a lot of the guys are very similar in the middle rounds. I think a lot of the guys do a lot of the same things. So Sermon could have had a big day in terms of his draft stock. I completely agree with you with Master Teague. Um, I watched him the, the first couple games that Ohio State played. I never saw anything with him. He's a guy that I'm That's the thing. Master, if Master Teague's not good, Trey Sermon's not playing. What does that say about Trey Sermon? So, yeah, to me, exactly. this, this was a huge, huge day for Trey Sermon. Yeah, and I'm, I definitely think that it definitely took him longer than usual to get in the offense just because of, you know, what happened with the offseason. But, yeah, Master Teague, didn't really play well. This was something that I was waiting for. I was looking forward to seeing Trey Sermon in a more featured role, specifically because I didn't like what I saw from Master T in the past couple weeks. So, I mean, this was definitely huge for Sermon's draft stock, and I think that, yeah, he can have boosted his stock, you know, three or four rounds. If he was projected undrafted, that's definitely out the window now. And Early day three. I don't know what his draft stock is. It's, It's hard for me to say, like, ooh, where guys are going so early, but, like, Based on what he's done prior to the game, you would have to almost think he wasn't going to get drafted. Yeah, I think and that's what a lot of people were thinking as well. But that's out the window for sure. And now it's a matter of, you know, testing or if he can compete in the college football playoff, if he can continue that performance, you know, he can boost it even more. Yep. And so my first winner, you compared Trey Sermon as a poor man's Najee Harris. I'm going with Najee Harris as my winner. Incredible game, SEC championship, player of the game. Rushing, he was 34 for 178 yards and two touchdowns. Receiving, he caught five passes for 67 yards and three touchdowns. Five total scores throughout the game. Florida couldn't stop him all night. They had no answers for him, especially in the red zone. They didn't do a terrible job of defending the run at the goal line, but they just lost him in the pass game within the red zone and Najee Harris just really capitalized. He's six foot two, two thirty. He's a power back who can, who show that he can catch the ball. He could run routes. He's got great hands. This is going to be a guy who I don't like to see running backs going day one, but teams are going to make a case for Harris to go day one. And I'm, as of right now, I'd be surprised if he slipped out of the top 40 for sure. I yeah. Mean, a He's lot done of it my, all year. Yeah, go ahead. He's done it all year. Um, he's hard to bring down. I don't want to compare him to Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry's you know style is so unique. But Harris is a guy who just powers right through the defense. He's got good vision for two thirty. For someone who weighs two thirty, he could make jump cuts, and you know he could spin off tackles. He could hurdle players. I mean, he just does it all at a incredibly high level that is going to be really exciting to see in the NFL. Yeah. 
the Alabama backs have been interesting over the years because some of them you think are going to make it. Trent Richardson, they don't. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Lacy, they don't. Then there's some like Mark Ingram where, yeah, he's good, but wasn't a first-round pick. Then there's Derrick Henry. So out of all the Alabama running backs, where do you see Harris slotting in? I mean, definitely ahead of Richardson and Lacey. Well, I was. I would I really hope liked so. Richard, <laughs> I really liked Richardson coming out of college, so I was. I was wrong about that one. I think I would slate him over Mark Ingram just because Mark Ingram's not like us. Like Derrick Henry's special. Derrick Henry does so many things that most players can't do. He's going to be back to back. He's going to be the back to back rushing leader in the NFL. So I don't think you could put Harris over him, but I think you could put Harris over Mark Ingram, a guy who was mainly in committee backfields um, dating back to 2016 or 2017 when Kamara first came in as um, New Orleans. Ingram's pretty good, but he's he was never like a lead top back in the NFL. So I think depending on the team that Harris goes to, if Harris comes in as the number one back, he's going to have a thousand yard rushing season if he's able to, you know, get the bulk of the carries by, I would say like the quarter mark of the season he's going to be able to, you know, add on to the rushing total. And he's a threat in the passing game as well. So I think he's a, he could be a big weapon at the next level. And if he goes to the right team, he's going to have monster production. Yeah. Mike Tomlin has this line and I've sort of used them with the Alabama running backs because before the, the Trent Richardson draft, he famously came out and said that he thought he sucked. It kind of got leaked to the media that he thought he sucked. And Tomlin has been really good or the Steelers have been really good at drafting running backs and receivers. He has this line where he's like, is he making guys miss or is he bouncing off guys and running for extra yards? Eddie Lacy had that sort of thing where he sort of bounced off guys. He didn't really, you know, make guys punish. Harris can really deliver some blows and he's so impressive in the passing game, the way he's able to make cuts. He carries his frame a lot better than Richardson or Lacey ever did, just thinking back to those guys. I think he's going to make it. I'm not – he's not special enough to me to be a round one back, but I have no problem drafting him in the second round and saying he's our guy, he's going to be our starter. Right, and I mean, he's not just like bouncing off guys. He's hurtling them, trucking yeah. them, spinning right past them. And he just, he's able to find those holes in the defense. It's really impressive. And yeah, I'd agree. I'm not a big running back in round one guy. I'm not a big receiver in round one guy either, but I'm, or tight end. But I mean, we talk about Pitts, how special he is. So, I mean, if a team takes Harris in the first round, I'm not going to complain. I don't think it should be, you know, top of the first round, like Saquon or Ezekiel Elliott, but I wouldn't complain if he's a first round back. All right, I'll jump into my second winner here. And this one is kind of a semi-winner because I, I don't know what his draft stock is. It's hard for me to say. Do I think I would take this guy in the second round? Hell no. Hell no. But I'm going to go with Iowa State tight end, Charlie Kohler. He is absolutely humongous. He's got a basketball background, six foot six. He almost kind of looks bigger than that, 257. He can run a little bit. I'm not saying he's a world beater. But he just looks so big and is such a tough cover that – and, again, I don't even know if that he's the athlete that Mike Kosicki is. I would doubt that he tests as well as him. But 
there's so many bad tight ends in the NFL that it's hard for me to believe that he can't play. He finishes the Oklahoma game, six catches, 92 yards, a touchdown. Think of all the bad tight ends in the league. We got Robert Tunyon, who's like the fifth, <laughs> he's like the fifth fantasy tight end or whatever. It's hard for me to believe that you can't take you can't take Kohler in the fifth round and he can't be productive for you. Yeah, I like this one too. I was a big I was pretty high on Kohler. I think I had him at maybe tight end four coming into the season, or maybe even tight end three. Um right around Brandon I don't know Jordan. how high he's gonna get drafted. But yeah, it's there's gonna, gonna be a line high. for me where I get uncomfortable, but I think he can play. He he'll I mean, as of right now, I mean there's so much time left, but as of right now, it looks like he'll be a day three guy. But yeah, I, when I watched him it. in the offseason. I was impressed with, you know, how he's able to get up and catch contested balls. I mean, Mike Gesicki isn't a bad comparison because that's what Gesicki does so well. I don't think he's uh, quite he as athletic, tonight. though. Right. No, and he definitely won't be. Um, he was a guy, he's a guy from Oklahoma, so this was a big game for him. Um, they weren't able to pull it off, which, I, and we'll talk a lot about this game more coming up, but he looked good. He was one of the few guys that looked good for that Iowa State team. And I definitely think that he boosted his draft stock a little bit. I'm going to go on the other side of that um, game with the Oklahoma defense. My second winner is edge rusher for Oklahoma, Ronnie Perkins. So in this game, he had three, just three tackles, one and a half sacks, but just all game, he was in the backfield. All game. And Oklahoma... I don't know who's the defensive coordinator, Oklahoma, but they got to figure something Alex out. Alex French. I mean, I don't know how many offside penalties you can get in a game. And I don't know how many missed offside. I mean, there was like three different missed off or missed offside penalties that should have gone against Oklahoma. And they still had way too many. So they got to figure that out. Cause I mean, half the time Ronnie Perkins is getting to getting to Brock Purdy and it doesn't matter because there's offsides. But, I mean, yeah, he wreaked havoc all day against that Iowa State offensive line. He was in the backfield all day. He's very quick off the line, and he's incredibly powerful with his body and with his hands. I believe he's just a junior. He might be a redshirt sophomore. I'm not positive on which one, but he's six foot three, he's 250. He's a junior. Okay. If he, come, if he declares for the draft, I think this is a guy who's been building his draft stock up all year. I believe he, I believe he had another sack in their last game. So I mean, end of the season, he's been getting to the quarterback, putting on a show, um, and I think he got to Purdy again on that last play, where Purdy threw up the interception to end the game. I mean, he was there all day in the backfield. He was one of the only guys in that game that I was impressed with, and um, in a weak edge rusher class, you know, he could make a case for himself as, you know, one of the best guys at that position. Yeah, I haven't seen a ton of Oklahoma in this game. I sort of flipped back and forth with the Oklahoma and uh, Ohio State Northwestern game. So I wasn't totally, totally locked in. But I guess my question to you would be, Brenton Cox is a guy I really like out of Florida. Where would you – or which one would you rather have, Perkins or Cox? Because Cox is a guy that I saw him at Georgia and thought he could really play. He goes to Florida – I think he took his game to another level. He's got a good array of pass rushing moves. Uh, really, really nice spin move against LSU the week prior. I think he's really sudden and can play. 
where would you rank Perkins con- compared to Cox? I mean, in terms of value for a team, I think it's what a team wants. They're two different edge rushers. Cox is more of a speed edge rusher, whereas Perkins is a power guy. I think at this stage, I would lean more towards Perkins just because, you know, he's done it more. Cox hasn't um, – for Cox produced a lot in the past couple of weeks. Even he, he looked relatively good yesterday against Alabama. I know they didn't get to the quarterback too many times in that game. But I would just go with Perkins right now just because he's so much stronger. I mean, he's one of the strongest edge rushers in the class. Um, his moves aren't perfectly defined, but his bull rush, I mean, he's powered through guys all year. And if he refines some of his pass rusher moves, you know, he's going to have a lot of choice. He's going to have a lot of options, you know, in the NFL. And I think he's just got a multitude of ways to get past those offensive tackles. So I lean towards Perkins right now. But, I mean, both are good prospects who – you know, have the upside, but definitely need to improve a little bit. I need to see more on the Oklahoma guy, so I I don't have much else to to chat in right now. Yeah. All right, so now we'll end up we're switched to the losers of last week or this week. Prospects who didn't improve their draft stock, maybe didn't impress as much as we'd hoped. Before that, let's hear a quick word from another one of our sponsors. The following broadcast is brought to you in association by Forever Grips. Go to forevergripsgaming.com for all of your affordable gaming accessories. Need new grips for your analog sticks? They've got it. Need to swag up your controller or console, including the Xbox Series X or PS5? They've got it. Need a sweet mouse pad to complete your setup? Go to forevergripsgaming.com now. Act now and use the Vendetta Sports Media promo code VSM15 at checkout to get 15% off of your purchase. That's right, 15% off by using our promo code VSM15. Forever Grips, the best accessories for the best prices are with Forever Grips. All right, so Trey, we'll go over to you first. Who's a prospect who did not impress yesterday? I'm going to go Brock Purdy, Iowa State. The Big 12 to me is the, the, you know, everyone knows the Big 12 as the conference that doesn't play any defense. If you're going up against Oklahoma, you better look like you belong. Brock Purdy's a guy that's gotten some hype in the past. But to me, you can't throw three interceptions against Oklahoma and sort of look lost. I thought that was a really, really bad showing. Uh, he's a junior and there's just nothing really dynamic about him. He's six foot one average size, average arm. It doesn't look like, you know, he's this big presence that commands a huddle either. So I don't know what he brings to the table. What is he other than, you know, maybe, maybe we found a career backup. Yippee. You can't go to Oklahoma at a big 12 championship game, throw three interceptions and never be in the game. I thought he looked horrible. I, I, I just don't see any sort of – we you know, maybe this isn't a good comparison. Maybe it is, but the Minnesota guy, Tanner Morgan, he just kind of looks the same as that. You know, some kind of backup quarterback that's really not going to ma- ever make an impact. Maybe he starts a couple games if you get injuries in front of him, but there's no dynamic skill set. There's no wow factor. There's no high twitch with anything. So I don't, I don't get his hype. Yeah, both of those guys that you named were two guys that were relatively high in terms of quarterback preseason rankings, and both of them just plummeted their draft stock. And I 
you mentioned how Purdy's a junior. I if I'm him, I'm not going to the draft. I'm gonna Hell stay one no. more season. Um he I mean he got passed by just to name a couple. Zach Wilson passed him, Trask passed him, Mac Jones passed him, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati passed him. I mean, that's a lot of money right there. You're gonna if you're drafted you're in the seventh round as of right now. So he's gotta go back. Yeah, he definitely did not play well yesterday. He also took three sacks. He same with Fields. He's got to get better at um, getting the ball out quicker. And then, I mean, I don't know what that last throw was. I mean, yeah, you're under pressure. Just throw it away. You still have another down. It was it was third down. Take your chances on fourth down. Supposed to just chucking it up. I believe it was Trey Brown who picked it off for Oklahoma. I mean, just a poor decision to cap off a poor day for Purdy. Um, so my first loser is going to be Dylan Moses, linebacker for Alabama. This is a guy who I was really high on coming into the season, and he's one of the only players you could say this about for Alabama that he just hasn't impressed all year, and he's definitely lowered his draft stock, which is surprising because he's been hurt most of his college career. So when he, played, when he was playing this season, a lot of people were excited to see him. I was excited to see him. But he just hasn't looked like that explosive athlete that everyone says he was or that he was in high school. I mean, coming in, he was right behind Micah Parsons in terms of linebacker rankings, and people said he had a chance to surpass him. But, I mean, he had two defensive pass interferences that um, the commentator – I forget who his name is. The commentator said both of them would have gone for touchdowns. So, I mean, if you have to – if as a linebacker you have to hold like a backup tight end or like a third string wide receiver in order for him to not score, then I cannot trust you in pass coverage. So he struggled with coverage. He got outplayed by some of the younger linebackers. Uh, Christian Harris comes to mind. He played a great game for Alabama. I mean, Moses is just a guy who was once thought of to be a lot and he's, really playing down the level of his competition. He almost looked like he was a Florida defender last night. I mean, this is a guy who I don't know if he's – he's probably not going to be one of the first five linebackers taken. And I don't know how you can trust him as just a sole run defender at the next level, especially with how the league is turning. With linebackers, you got to be able to play in pass coverage. So I don't know what Moses is going to do at the next level. Yeah, he hasn't – maybe had an outstanding year, but, and I didn't see a ton of the game last night, but he's someone to me where good. I hope his draft stock falls. I'll take him in the fifth round. I have no problem taking him into someone like that in the fifth round. He struggled with injuries is some of it. Oh, he hasn't, you know, really recovered yet. He's, he's a step slow. He's not quite acclimated to playing yet. Uh, Mac Wilson is someone who he saw his draft stock, in his final year at Alabama and you know maybe a lot of it is they have so many good athletes on that team where if you're not the one standing out you look like a problem but Mac Wilson has been drafted by the Browns uh, I think he got hurt this year but his rookie year he was really really good with Cleveland I'm just not like there's there's a point for me where okay Alabama linebacker fifth round okay I'll take my chances there. So if he's someone that drops in the draft, yeah, sign me up. I'll, I'll take him. 
Right. And I think, I think that's a really good way to look at it. Cause like me putting him on this list, that's not saying like, I wouldn't draft him. If he's available in the fourth round, I'm taking him. I would always rather have an Alabama guy than a Mac linebacker or someone like that. You know, I mean, he's definitely after him. He definitely has to improve in pass coverage, but he's an elite athlete, regardless of having an injury. He still looked good as an athlete, as a runner. I assume he'll test pretty well at the combine, which will probably save some of his draft stock. I can't imagine him going in the fifth round, but I mean, that's a guy, if he's in the fifth round, I'm definitely taking a chance with an Alabama linebacker, like you said. Right. I just think he's got to improve in the pass coverage. I mean, it looked really bad last night. I don't even think it was against Pitts. They never, they wouldn't put him against Pitts at all. But I, I think it was against Trayvon Grimes. He couldn't defend him. And I don't think he could defend the backup tight end either. Even a guy like uh, Rashawn Evans, he wasn't brilliant in pass coverage either. Yeah, and I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's a certain type of player at every position. There's, you know, run stoppers as linebackers. I think, based on his athleticism, you'd want Dylan Moses to be more. But he's got a lot of time. I mean, like, like we said, if he's available in the fifth round, that's a no-brainer. Whether you need a linebacker or not, that's a no-brainer for me. All right. Uh, last loser to me. <laughs> this is just the whole team. And, again, I was uh, kind of locked in on the NFL games. Sorry, uh, I'm in the middle of a fantasy <laughs> championship to win. But yeah, Notre Dame, you got to show up. <laughs> that, <laughs> that entire team just looked lost. Awful, not prepared. I don't know how to describe what Notre Dame brought to the table. And again, I was flipping back and forth, but Ian Book looked bad, which he's not really a, a guy either, but their entire defense looked bad too. Nobody nobody really shined on that defense. Uh, I know, what's his name? Awosu Koromoa is really high-rated prospect. Seven tackles, couple for loss, but he didn't really flash either, so... Uh, to me, the the loser is the entire team of Notre Dame to the point where we don't. I don't know if they even deserve to be in the Final Four. Yeah, I, I mean, I like Jeremiah Wusso Cormo. I, I think he was one of the only guys who looked good yesterday. Um, the safety Hamilton had a pick that was tipped to him, so I mean, not too impressive there. A lot of guys would have made that play as well. So I don't think anyone else really impressed on that Notre Dame team. Yeah, I agree, and we'll get into the college football playoff a little bit when we talk about stuff in the mailbag, but I don't know if you could warrant top four for them. I mean, it looks like it's – I mean, it's obviously a three-man race for the championship. So, I mean, we'll see what happens later today. This video will be out after the four are announced. So, I mean, I guess we'll see. But, yeah, Notre Dame did not look good at all yesterday. and I mean, that was – Lawrence had it easy, it seemed like. I mean, when you take out your starting quarterback with half half of the game left in the fourth quarter, then, I mean, you got demolished. When it was just all around bad. Out, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to describe it. Chip, or not Chip. Brian Kelly went into the game, and he's like, well, we don't know if we're even going to show up if, if fans are not allowed in the stands or whatever, or family members right. are not allowed in the stands. It's like, hey, worry about winning this game first. And yeah. they didn't even show up, so I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I definitely didn't expect that. I 
they came out looking pretty good, and then their kicker missed a 20-yard field goal. And the game was over right there. And then it was over. The funniest thing was I looked at the line, and it was uh, Notre Dame plus 10 and a half. And, <laughs> and yeah. it was like, well, Notre Dame's getting killed. Yeah. So my second loser on this list, he's not a he's not an eligible draft prospect this year, but he's supposedly going to be one of the top picks in the 2022 draft, and that's USC sophomore quarterback Keaton Slovis. They played Friday night. They lost to a two-loss Oregon team. Oregon came in; it's three and two. They shouldn't have even been in the Pac-12 championship, which is a whole nother story. Dakota probably loved it. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't even think they should have been in there, but Slovis did not look good. 52 pass attempts, completed 28 of them for 320 yards. I mean, you'd think that that's okay. Two touchdowns, three interceptions, three sacks. Just made poor decisions the whole game. Um, that pick or the interception that he threw on the last drive, I don't know who that was to other than number 19 on Oregon. This is a guy who he's supposedly quarterback one the 2022 draft and I haven't spent too much time uh, or really any time on that class other than just watching them live and I mean if this is the best quarterback in the class and granted I've seen him when he's played better like last year he played really well as a freshman he filled in for JT Daniels played great but if this is the best they have to offer then I'm not too excited about scouting the 2022 quarterbacks I mean Slovis looks he looks a little bit above average last year. This year, USC played down to their competition in all of their games. USC didn't impress me in any of their games. Slovis looked okay in some. This game, he didn't look as good. And I'm not too sure I like any of the other quarterbacks in that class a lot right now. So, I mean, I think Slovis didn't kill his draft stock, obviously. He's got so much time left, but in a game where he it was probably the biggest game of his career, he needed to win it, and he couldn't get it done. Yeah, I don't want to go too, too, too deep into the weeds because uh, this isn't someone who's draft eligible this year, and there's going to be a lot of time. Yeah. But he looked flat out awful. It it sort of reminded me of watching uh, Cody Kessler. Yes, <laughs> he's always had a high completion percentage, but he's not dynamic in any single way. He's not someone who's going to make any splash throws. Uh, I sort of saw him get locked onto targets a couple times, not really look at second or third reads. I I don't think there's anything special with the guy. I think it's also important to remember, if JT Daniels never gets hurt, I'm not sure the guy's even a starter. (laughs) So, So, yes, he played well when Daniels went down, but we almost have to look at it as, he wasn't recruited to be their guy either. So he kind of sort of played over his head. And I think he's overrated because I think people have elevated him to a status where he does. So now we're going to move on to the mailbag where we ask you guys questions on Twitter and you guys give us some draft and college football questions. 
So before we get into that, let's hear another word from our sponsor. Hey, you. Yeah, you. In case you hadn't heard, your favorite renegade sports media group has its own Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash vendetta sports media to support our efforts to continuously bring you sports, gaming, and other media coverage as only we can. We've got four different membership tiers. For $3 a month, we'll give you a simple thank you on our Patreon site. For $6 a month, you get a thank you and you get to become a recruit in Jackson Law's Vendetta University Gaming Series. For $10 a month, you get everything from the previous tiers, a special thank you at the end of our videos, free access to our upcoming Discord chat, and a free koozie after four months. And then the big dog, $50 a month, gets you everything from the previous tiers, as well as opportunities for Fantasy League invites, stream gaming, possible invites to mock NFL and NBA draft sessions, a once-a-month Google Hangout, and after four months, a free t-shirt. Yeah! Go to patreon.com forward slash vendetta sports media and help us to improve our pledge to bring you the best sports, gaming, and other media coverage. All right, so the first question we have, what are the chances that Texas A&M gets into the college football playoff? Who asked this question? This was Carl. Another writer on the site. Okay. Carl Heiser. Well, uh, <laughs> we should probably change the question since we'll know who's going to get in to do you right. think Texas A&M deserves to be in the playoff? My, my answer would be no, just because it's clear that whoever gets in, it will be the fourth team. And I've already seen Alabama play Texas A&M. And it doesn't go very well. Right. Texas A&M got the snot kicked out of them when they played Alabama. It was really, really early in the season, 52 to 24. Now you can say, oh, maybe they got better over time. But Texas A&M doesn't have these marquee signature wins either. They beat Florida by three. But outside of that, they really haven't beaten anyone. Mississippi State, <laughs> they beat them by 14 points. And they haven't been competitive all year. They beat Arkansas by 11 they killed South Carolina, but South Carolina fired Will Muschamp, and they packed it in. They they really hung around with LSU. The Auburn game, they could have easily lost. I don't think they're special at quarterback, and we'll get more into him you know, in further episodes, but Kellen Mond just sucks. I don't want to see him in a college football playoff game. Yeah. Yeah, so um, before I answer, um, just got an alert. The AP poll – came out with their rankings, and, and I just got an alert that Notre Dame kept their spot in the top four, which I think most people would have expected. And so I'm going to use one of your answers to answer this question. I'm going to say I really don't care. <laughs> whether Texas A&M gets in or Notre Dame gets in, doesn't matter to me. They're losing. They're getting killed. It happens every year. The four goes, plays the one seed, gets killed except for when Ohio State played a couple years ago. But Ohio State is obviously a different team than a Notre Dame or a Texas A&M. They have much better recruits. It's been that way for years, and it'll stay that way. I really you don't know care. It's crazy. It takes- <laughs> I know this team would get killed too, but I, wanna, I would rather see Coastal in there. And <laughs> Right, or Cincinnati. I would almost rather see Cincinnati. They would probably get destroyed, but it's something yeah. where – Alabama hasn't seen, you know, that that spread option offense that Coastal runs. I want to see how they would handle it. 
You know, maybe Coastal gets them off their game for a quarter. Maybe maybe it would be interesting for a quarter. Cincinnati has really good defense. They're gonna destroy. You know, they're they're gonna destroy whoever anyway. But exactly, I would. <laughs> Alabama hasn't seen an offense like Coastal Carolina. I guess the only other thing that's close is the weird shit that Gus Malzahn does with Auburn. But I would have liked to see, you know, some kind of little dog get in there and see if they can scrap for a bit, even if it gets ugly. Yeah, and I mean, whoever gets in, I mean, whether it's Texas A&M or Notre Dame, they're the only two that have a chance. But I mean, it's, it's just Bama. You know, how- they're going to smoke anybody anyway. Yeah. It highlights how bad the college football playoff is. I mean, Cincinnati and Coastal, they did everything right this year. They did everything they could have. Yeah, you know, Cincinnati only won by three points last night. But, I mean, it's AAC championship. Tulsa's a top 25 team. They had a really good defense as well. And a win especially is a win. Uh, Coastal, you could really make the argument for them. The Sun Belt yeah. was 3-0 and against the Big 12 this so, year. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and – Louisiana beat Iowa State by 17. And Iowa State was in their championship game, and they beat Oklahoma. Iowa State was home. Iowa State was home that game. They lost by 17 to a Sun Belt. So you could really make the argument that, hey, maybe these guys are actually sort of legit and could make something interesting. Right. And, like, we're not saying that, like, they're one of the best four teams. Because, I mean, obviously – no. Notre Dame's probably a better team than Coastal. Florida might be the fourth best team. Right. I think <laughs> I actually think they are. I predicted that they would be the fourth seed coming into the year. But I mean, you lose by you get killed or you get embarrassed by Clemson like Notre Dame did, or you get embarrassed by Alabama, like Texas AM did early in the season. You know, why should you get another chance? As opposed to a team who went undefeated, they did all they could. Coastal got went and got an extra game. Yeah, and they played BYU where they didn't have to either. Another top team. I mean, those them in Cincinnati, they did all they could. I think it's almost a joke to allow a team that got absolutely demolished by either Bama or Clemson to get another chance. And that's why people don't like the college football playoff um, standing, and that's why they want it to change. I don't want it to be expanded, though. I don't want it to be expanded either. But – they're re- they're heavily biased towards SEC schools in the rankings. As they should be, I mean, though. Well, the only thing, like, for me, Florida lost. They were supposed to win by 24. They lost at home to LSU. And Cincinnati got pushed back so Florida could stay at, what were they, eight? And then Cincinnati went to nine. That's to me, is ridiculous. But, I mean, they don't really give, like, G5 schools a chance. So the I Big 12 one was worse to me. How Iowa State was six. Yeah, and I agree with that too. I mean, we talked about them a lot already. Iowa State's not the sixth best team. It's not even close. They have yeah. a good coach, but no one else. Charlie Kohler looks good. <laughs> <laughs> so, second question. We got a couple questions in this group here. Who asked this the one? First one. This would be my dad. Oh, okay. He asked a couple. Who's the top-ranked defensive player in this draft? Yeah, I didn't want to spend too much time on this one because he hasn't played all year. But right now, I'd I'd probably have to go with Micah Parsons, the Penn State linebacker. He's such a 
athletic freak. He was a huge recruit coming out. Uh, I think one of the things with him that maybe people haven't talked about yet is that when he hits you, you're going down. You know, there, there's a lot of athletic linebackers and they can run and chase like, uh, Quan Alexander is a perfect example. He's really athletic. He can get to where he needs to be, but a lot of times he's not coming up with the tackle. Uh, Micah Parsons, when he hits you, you go down. And you don't just, you know, crawl forward for an extra yard or two. You go down. So uh, I really, really like him. He hasn't played all year, of course, but right now he would probably be my top guy. Yeah, I agree. Micah Parsons is my top guy for right now. Um, I would talk about some of the cornerbacks here, but that's going to be another question coming up. Yeah, like you said, I'm in complete agreement with what you said. Parsons is a freak. I mean, if you watched him in the Cotton Bowl against Memphis last year, I would have taken him as the first linebacker last year. I would have taken him over Isaiah Simmons last year. He'll still be the first linebacker taken this year in a really deep and solid linebacker class. A lot of guys emerged this year. Like we talked about Owusu Koromoa from Notre Dame. Notre Dame, he's looked good all year. Um, Nick Bolton improved from Missouri. He's going to be a guy that came up on the rankings. But Parsons is going to stay at number one. And I mean, that's a true testament to how good of a player he is. So, yeah, he's my top defensive player. Next question is who will be the third quarterback taken? Uh,. I almost have to go with the BYU kid. I don't. It's hard for me to say who's gonna get picked third because you never know what GMs are thinking. But I really like him. I I've sort of talked about this. I think he looks like a not as athletic version of Kyler Murray. I really like his arm talent. I think someone will talk themselves into picking him third. Trey Lance. I think he's gonna get hurt by the fact that. He had one game. The one game didn't really go as well as, you know, according to plan. Mac Jones, I really like, but, you know, it's it's kind of clear that he's not the – he doesn't have that super – like that, I don't know, defining skill set like Tua does. He, he's played well all year, but it's, it's not like, oh, Tua, I can see that release. That's special. I don't really see, you know, a defining skill set with Jones in. Trask is he's so limited mobility wise that I don't I don't see any way how he can even creep into that discussion. Yeah, before I answer just a quick thing on Trask. So after the game they asked Nick Saban, like, what did you think of Kyle Trask's performance? How good did he play? Saban his response goes, We couldn't guard number eighty four or number one. So I mean I'm gonna trust Nick Saban with player development, with player scouting. They asked him about Trask, and he talked about Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts. So that, like, <laughs> that tells me all I need to know about Trask. That tells me all I need to know about what Saban thinks Trask's chances are. When you ask about someone and they tell you about someone else, the person you asked about maybe isn't that guy. So that's just a quick thing on Trask. Third quarterback taken right now, I've been – I've been watching a lot of the Zach Wilson film lately. I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to post um, a scouting report on him soon. I go with Wilson right now just because I haven't seen enough of Lance. I watched a little bit of Lance in the offseason. I've seen zero snaps of Lance. Oh, really? 
I mean, he, I he looks good throwing like the deep ball against FCS schools. I don't know how well he can read defenses. I don't know how well he can, you know, handle pressure because I'm sure he hasn't seen a lot of it. He's a pretty solid runner, but that's not what I'm going to take a quarterback for. He's someone I, I hope I get to see at the Senior Bowl, but I know it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, he would have had to graduate, yeah. I don't know how that would go for him. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Zach Wilson right now. I think he's – the more I watch him – and I think he's pretty good, but I still think he's overhyped. Um, a lot of these college football quarterbacks, they're one-read guys, and it looks like he is too, and that's partly the offense he runs. Um, one thing about him is he's very good at scrambling. He's very good at making throws on the run. I just think he does it way too much. I mean, the number of times I, I, I watched like two or three games of him on film, the number of times he left a clean pocket, it's ridiculous. But if he goes to somewhere, and I've seen this a couple times, and I really like this fit, if he goes to San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, I think that would be a great fit for Zach Wilson. I think that'd be perfect. Whereas if he goes to a team like Chicago, I don't know how well of a fit that's going to be for him. But in a, like a spread offense, like the Niners run, um, they do a lot of crazy things. This is Zach Wilson going to do a lot of crazy things. Um, him matching up with guys like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, some young receivers, I think that'd be a really good offense to watch. And I think he would grow the most and reach his full potential with Kyle Shanahan. But I don't know how many yeah, other spots are that's, that. That's the other thing, him. though. You know, Josh Allen's a guy I really, really liked. He's a small school guy at Wyoming. But we're having a much different conversation about Josh Allen today if he gets picked by the Jets. So, yeah. So, I mean, I we mean, can say uh, that about almost anybody. A lot of quarterbacks, it just depends on fit. That's what I'm just saying. I think he'd be a good fit in San Francisco. Um, in terms of, like, will he be good no matter where he goes? like a Mahomes or Deshaun Watson type player. That's almost, see, that's no, almost the other thing. So. It, if Mahomes was picked by the Jets, I'm not sure he's good. He had a lot of flaws coming out of Texas Tech. Yeah, but I think it's like, with him, it's just his ability to, you know, comprehend things and, you know, learn as quick as he did. It, it, I mean, yeah, he's that's a year thing. Now, but, uh, Mahomes, he, I mean, he, Admitted, I think, after the Super Bowl, is like, yeah, I didn't really know how to read defenses yet. <laughs> like, when you have Andy Reid dialing up things for you, that's not really a concern. I, yeah, like, yeah, that's I, totally I think the, the book on Mahomes has been rewritten when it shouldn't be. We need to – I hate when people do this. He was really combustible at Texas Tech. <laughs> he did a lot of dumb things at Texas Tech. Those dumb things – get eased out when Andy Reid's your coach. If Adam Gase is your coach, he'd be doing a lot of those dumb things right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's a pretty big take. I don't know how you can disagree, honestly. I mean, Darnold, Darnold was a top three quarter, top three pick, and he's done well, nothing. Darnold's the, the, Jets, the perfect so. example. I don't think Darnold was as combustible, but he made a lot of dumb decisions that – is not being coached out of him. I think he's incredibly talented. I loved him coming out. The only thing I didn't really like was the fact that he made dumb decisions and you could see the linebacker in him because he played linebacker in high school. 
you could see a lot of the clunky movements and some of the, oh, I can fit this ball in here decisions, but those things don't happen if <laughs> they, they're happening right now because he plays for Adam Gase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean, quarterbacks a huge it – all, it, a lot of it comes down to the coaching staff and, you know, what team he lands on, what offense they run, and that kind of fit. But, I mean, right now for me, my third quarterback would be Zach Wilson. I just think in terms of quarterback, in terms of accuracy, in terms of arm strength, I think he's better than Trey Lance. And then after Lance, I would probably have Matt Jones at five. And then it, a lot of it doesn't really matter yet. I like the kid from Cincinnati, Desmond Ritter. I don't know if he'll declare. I want to see a little bit more of him. The guy I really liked – um, Dustin Crum from Kent State. I can't wait to watch more of him next year. He's going back. That's a guy who I th- I'm going to you know put my stamp on him for next year. And so yeah, I, I, I wish I could have seen the uh, Jamie Newman this year. That would have been nice. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know what to think of him. The Senior Bowl is going to be big for him. So the last question here, it's about the cornerbacks: Patrick Sertain or Caleb Farley. Who's better? Well, I have not seen one snap of Virginia Tech in about three years. So uh, I will go with Sertan, <laughs> and I'm not going to overthink it. Alabama cornerback, uh, his father played in, in the NFL, who was very, very good, six foot two. Every time I've seen Sertan, he's been unbelievable. So I'm not going to overthink it. it it's sort of like, uh, I don't know, when – it's it's going to be similar to Jamar Chase. I'm not going to overthink it. Devontae Smith has been great. I'm not I'm not passing on Jamar Chase. Uh, I don't I'm care how good. Chase. It's like I don't good. I don't care how good you tell me this Farley kid is, and I'll watch him eventually. I'm not there yet, but I'm not going to pass on Sertan. I know what I'm getting. Yeah, I agree. I had Sertan as my number one coming into the season. He's six foot two. too. He he moves uh, yeah, really good for a big co- corner. Yeah, and they the, the knock on him is that he might not run the fastest forty, but like I don't care. I'd rather have a guy who can cover as opposed to a guy who can sprint and not cover. Um, just a disclaimer: um, defensive back is probably my favorite position to scout. I like watching the cornerbacks a lot. My preseason top five: I had Sertain at one. Farley at two, Sean Wade at three, J.C. Horn at four, who J.C. Horn, like, literally no one had heard of back then, and Eric Stokes at five. And so I'm really proud of that. Four of the five guys are probably in the top four, and then Sean Wade might have slipped a little. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw Sean Wade this year. He looked awful. Yeah. forget which, which game it was. I could pull that I up. saw someone tweet yesterday that he should be a safety. And I like that he could tackle. Um, he can and, and he can cover in the slot pretty well. I don't know how high a nickel cornerback usually goes in the draft. Miami took Noah Igbenogamy. I hated that pick. That's <laughs> what it was. It was it was the Penn State game. He got cooked by. Uh, yeah. He got cooked by Jahan Dotson all day. Yeah, that Jahan Dotson's a really good route runner. He's pretty good. Um, but yes. Back to the question, though. Sertain has been my number one guy all year. He didn't really let up much with Kyle Pitts. He got beat once last night by Trayvon Grimes. But, I mean, it was a pretty good place ball. It was right on the sidelines where only Grimes could catch it. 
Sertain's been good all year. He's a really good tackler. He plays special teams too. He tackled Kadarius Tony, returning punts or kicks a couple times last night. I mean, a, your number one corner can also um, play on special teams. That's pretty good. Yeah, unless his name is uh, his De- unless his name is Derek Stingley, I'm not interested in taking anyone ahead of Sertan. Yeah, and you talked about his length. I mean, six two, and I mean he can move pretty quickly for a guy that size. That's the guy. That's cornerback one for me right now. Richard Sherman Barley, ran a four seven, and Richard Sherman, one of the best corners for the twenty tens. Josh Norman ran like a four six five too. And I mean, their Norman's game is a little bit different than Sertain's. Yeah, Sertain's is more of just denied the ball, as opposed to you know more of the explosive, big hitter kind of thing that like maybe. Jalen Ramsey is, but Sertain's the number one guy right now. And I, mean, I actually I like uh, in the offseason. I like both of the South Carolina corners. I don't, I don't forget how to say his name. Mukamu. Like Mukamu. I think I he's pretty he's good. Big. Too. He's big. He's six. He's humongous. I, <laughs> I don't like him as much. I was really high on Horn coming into the year. I'm really glad that he did well. I think I tweeted about it. From that's another guy. Uh, his dad's Jail Horn. I'm gonna trust that yeah. he can play. Yeah, he's he's very good. I I think he's a he should be a lock for the first round in my opinion. And then I don't know where Sean Wade will go. Again, it's hard to take like a nickel corner that high, so he might have to make the transition to safety. He was much better, better the year prior with uh, Okuda. Yeah, there we go. Okuda was there, and and uh, Damon Arnett. Arnett too. Yeah. yeah, two first round guys. Yeah. All right, so that pretty much is going to wrap up the first Draft Busters podcast for Vendetta Sports Media. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at JRinaldi2 and at Trey Daubert. Be sure to follow the site, support us on Patreon, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thanks for watching. We'll see you guys in the next episode.